Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Welcome to episode 47 of the Big Fly Pod with your co-hosts, Vinny D'Amato, Kame, and T. Lou. Another hot stove update week, along with uh, some really awesome awards that we saw this past week with the NL and AL Comeback Player of the Year. And then finally, one of the more important segments this show has ever had, the 2024 outlook for the Chicago White Sox, which should be a doozy as we talk about it here with the one and only White Sox fan, K-May, the number one White Sox fan, K-May. Let's check in with K-May, actually. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing well, T. Lou. Thanks for asking. Uh, vibes are well. We got the uh, Christmas tree up in the old apartment, so that's good. Got my uh, Dundee crown shirt on again for the second oh, episode in a row. Oh, God. Oh. So I'm, uh, I'm, repping D- I'm repping D.C. today. So, uh, yeah, vibes are high. Can't complain. Now, do you go with a fake tree or real tree? I'm a fake tree guy. Um, it was a Black Friday deal last year. Got it for like nice. 40 bucks. So can't beat it, right? So Now, how tall are we talking? Six feet, eight feet, 14 feet? What are we looking at? You know what, Ty? I'm looking at it right now. I'm, I'm going to say five and a half feet. Roughly. Five and a half feet. Nice. About 60 inches wide. Like, what are we looking at width-wise? No, skinny. Skinny tree. Uh, not, not a lot of girth to this tree. Uh, pretty skinny guy going on. So, uh, what kind yeah, of ornaments some, are we talking? Yeah, like oh, what, like minute, what's boy boys the ornaments are minimal here. We got <laughs> we got we got some lights going on the outside. We have a singular ornament on the front, and then we have a Topo Chico can as my star. I, oh, I was just about to ask cool. you what your star was, and the fact that yeah. it's a Topo Chico is even better. Uh, <laughs> a A plus segment right there. I love it. <laughs> Let's check in with Vinny. How are you, buddy? Uh, good. I, I also just we put up our tree uh, a couple days ago and cover ours has too many ornaments. I mean, we got ornaments everywhere on that thing. Our star is not any Topo Chico, so it's not as cool, but um, it does kind of reflect. So that's that's nice. No presents under it yet, but um, yeah, yeah, we just put that up. How about you, Ty? I did you put up my tree. I did put yeah. up my tree. It's normally. Um, so Abby and I were talking about this the other day and cause it was like a video she sent me and it was like, if you really want to test your relationship, put up a Christmas tree together. And, uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. So, uh, cause it's like, oh, you're not opening up the leaves enough. Oh, the way that you just spread the leaves isn't in the right direction. Oh, that ornament doesn't go there. It goes here, you know, those types of things. And so it's just really a good building, you know. Uh, team bonding activity for for the relationship so now do you have fake tree as well or do you just like chop down a cactus or something and put that up in your living room what's what's the what's the vibe what's the vibe down there uh fake tree because i think you'll be arrested if you try to cut down, uh, cut down a cactus out here people are very very particular about their cacti yeah i, uh, I did hear that about the cacti they're very serious about their cacti down they there. very are they them. really really are hundreds of years to grow beautiful beautiful structures of the world um some of them that you don't know how in the world they got to that point kind of like you know my life uh in general but uh yeah because you got ones that kind of like do this and you got ones that kind of do like that it's it's all over the place which which kind of cactus are you are you one that does like this are you uh i'm i'm the one that's uh burnt to the ground basically (laughs) right down the road here that has one arm that's just sideways uh and there's not really much left that kind of it kind of looks like Groot you know, Groot, like that movie character, my mother-in-law calls me Groot. She thinks I look like Groot with my hair. That, that's I a, that. that's a that's pretty back. Is that backhanded? Because he's also like, I don't know. He's kind of a simpleton, isn't he? Like he's a big, he's big, strong, and he's just kind of like a, you know, Vince, you'd think people would <laughs> see it that way, but no, they look at it as Ty has Jimmy Neutron hair and uh, needs to put that down a little bit. So, but yeah, yeah she Neutron. called me Groot. Called me Groot. She gave me one of like those, uh, it's like a Groot little stuffed animal for Christmas one year. So I knew I was a part of the family when that came up. So don't forget the Jimmy Neutron head too. Got yeah, a massive melon say, too. Yeah. yeah. Biggest head ever. So let's seen. talk hot stove, boys. <laughs> Looking at the hot stove uh, update here is uh, <laughs> didn't really have a good transition for that one. Uh, well, you wanted call. to get out of that. Yeah. yeah. No, I got out of that quicker than, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> The Cardinals complete the rotation, boys. Uh, yes. They signed Sonny Gray to a three-year, $75 million deal with a club option in year four. Also signed Kyle Gibson to a one-year deal, $12 million. 
uh, with a club option in 2025. Their starting rotation as of now is Sonny Gray, Mats, Gibson, Lance Lynn, and Miles Michaelis. Now, boys, I know the there have been tweets that pretty much either say, why would you have one of the older rotations in baseball? You know, when you're trying to, you know, have a successful, you know, 2024 campaign, then there's also the standpoint of, well, we didn't have anything last year. So anything is an upgrade at this point. I'll start with you, KMA. Your thoughts on the gray signing and the way that this uh, rotation is structured as of now. Yeah. I mean, I think we all know, we all kind of talked about before how the Cardinals need like a number one guy, right? Like they need an ACE. Um, Sonny Gray does check that box. You mentioned the, you mentioned the uh, age of the rotation, a little bit on the older side. Um, I'm curious to see how healthy these guys can stay throughout the course of the 162 um, game season. Um, you know, Lance Lynn has a lot of injury history. Same with Sonny Gray, you know, last year he was able to stay healthy, but I think the biggest concern with these guys would be staying healthy. Right. Um, you know, last year their pitching was uh, atrocious, so maybe some more depth move, moves coming, um, in the rotation. Maybe they have a big move coming too. Maybe they make a trade for a glass now or a Dylan sees or somebody at the top of the market to, tr- to really solidify that rotation. You get, get a couple of real nice guys in the sil- middle of that rotation. Yeah. You talk about it right there. You say the injury history, you're right. Came a, uh, 2022 featured, 21 days missed 17 along with 16 in regards to the stints that he had on the IL. And in 2021, he also experienced three different stints uh, over 10 games or 10 days each. So yes, definitely a good point there. Um, But he had a really successful year um, in itself, you know, 2.79 ERA with a uh, 1.15 whip. Uh, He was a five, 5.3 war player, 184 innings, uh, and, you know, unfortunately had an eight and eight, you know, campaign, but that was more of the team that he was on. But Vinny, I, I mean, the, you, you look at the Cardinals, this is what they needed to do. They needed to get guys in, but now the rumors are swirling that they may be looking to move Steven Matz and they might, they're trying of course, to move him for either MLB ready starting pitcher reports say maybe Tyler Glass now, but also too, there's rumors that they are trying to open up a spot for one of the big free agents. Matt says two years left on his deal of 12 and a half million per year. In this situation, I saw personally, Vinny, when I had Matt's in fantasy baseball last year, he was incredible in the second half. But do you foresee them moving a guy like Matt's? And also would love your thoughts on, on the gray deal as well. Yeah. Uh, if I am the Cardinals, I don't see myself moving Matt's. Um, like Kyle said too, and and it's everywhere. They have a very old and kind of beaten up rotation. A lot of guys with some injury history on that team. So Matt's makes sense for a perfect long relief slash bullpen guy. I mean, he's a veteran. He's done everything. So if I'm the Cardinals, I'm probably trying to hold on to him. Plus, I think the Cardinals have enough depth in their farm system and you know kind of MLB those those guys who are right in the fringe of MLB we call them quad a players right um Alec Burleson is one you got Dylan Carlson who could be moved um I don't think they're going to move Newt Barr or or Walker or O'Neill maybe but even some younger guys Thomas to JC is one um so they have plenty of guys that they can move for an MLB arm I think they're going to roll with Sonny Gray as their ace, though. Um, Tyler, you mentioned some of the numbers. You know, he had a great ERA, and his FIP was fantastic as well. My favorite stat that comes from Sonny Gray was last year. His sweeper was absolutely elite. Um, it was the second most used pitch, and it had a .097 batting average against. Um, and it's just at one, .19 slug. Like, the pitch was just unhittable. So, he definitely steps in as a firm ace if he can, you know, stay healthy. That seems to be the the big caveat for a lot of pitchers. But if Sonny Gray stays healthy, he's an ace, and they could absolutely make a move for a trade for another starting pitcher. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think their offense is built for it. So I think they're ready to compete. They're probably going to try to trade for another arm. But like I said last time, too, I think that I mentioned it, they wanted to sign three starting pitchers. and they've done that now with with Gibby with Mats and with Lance Lynn so um yeah good kudos to the Cardinals and I know we'll have a whole separate episode like on the Cardinals yeah. coming up in our you know 30 team breakdown or whatever 
But looking at this rotation right now, I don't think that's good enough to win the NL Central, personally. They're just, just looking at it from top to bottom. Um, I think there's better rotations, better teams in the Central right now. So, I mean, the Cardinals should be in win mode, right? With that lineup that they have, with the studs they have in that lineup, um, it feels like they need more, right? In my opinion. Um, you know, I, I, I don't see this as a complete rotation yet. So maybe they do have something up their sleeve. But again, as it, as it looks currently right now, I would not mark this down as an elite starting rotation. The other thing, too, that's interesting is Glass. Now we talk about the injury history with Sonny Gray. That is a heavy, heavy concern with Glass now. And I know that he is more of a rental, of course. But, you know, if they're going to move Matt, who's an injury guy, for another injury guy, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So do you guys have, I mean, I, I personally think a guy like Shane Bieber would make this offseason totally worth it if they were to truly want to go after it this year. Reports today linked the Cubs to Glasnow and the Reds to Bieber and other and other teams as well. But I mean, if I'm if I'm the Cardinals and I really want to make a splash, I'm trading Mats, I'm getting Yamamoto, or I have to get Bieber. I don't think Glasnow is the guy. Valid yeah. point. You you brought the injury history. It's valid. Um, kind of like a Sonny Gray guy, right? Been a lot of injuries, but been, been at the top of his game for a while. So, yeah, you make a valid point there. I would agree, too. Yeah, and I love your point, K-May, that I don't think this this rotation is good enough to win the Central yet either. I mean, the Central may not be the strongest division in baseball right now, but it's certainly solid enough, and it's on the rise. I mean, we don't know what the car, um, the the Reds or the Pirates or the Cubs are going to do yet, and all three of those teams are on the rise, so you expect all of them to be adding. I just, I, I, I'm kind of surprised to be honest that the Cardinals weren't doing a little bit of a teardown. I mean, you have two great players in Nolan and Goldie. You know, maybe they're planning to flip them. Maybe that's part of this whole thing too. But they gave Sonny quite a bit of money. I mean. $25 million a year is nothing to scoff at. So, you know, they must think that they have something there. Now rumors have popped up that Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill are back on potentially the trade market. So really just an odd team at this time. Um, and I know that one of our fellow listeners, Chase Keeter, will love this. Um, but I don't think the Cardinals are too far away. But right now it's just not enough. And I, So I agree with you, KMA, where it, you have to look at it and say, how do we beat the Cubs and how do we beat the Brewers more nor the Brewers at this point? And then hell the Reds, you know, could easily put something together here this off season that adds a couple players that they need. They're a hell of a lineup. Um, I know the pirates are a little far out at this point, probably another year, but right now your, your way of getting into the playoffs is going to be through winning the division. It's not going to be through the wild card just because the West and the East is just way too dominant. So Great points there, boys. Again, winter meetings are starting next week. We're going to do our episode, folks, uh, on Sunday night. We're going to be recording and releasing that on Mondays now moving forward. Really excited about that. And hopefully, of course, trying to add more interviews. But the winter meetings will tell all. And hopefully the Otani news will really start to transpire. Uh, all the moves that should be made here over the next couple of weeks. Speaking of other moves that were made, uh, 35-year-old veteran right-hander Kenta Maeda signed with the Detroit Tigers on a two-year $24 million deal. He'll earn $14 million in 2024 and the remaining $10 million in 2025. His campaign was decent, um, but unfortunately not good enough in some people's eyes. Uh, he had a 6-8 and eight record with a 4.23 RA that included 28 walks, 117 strikeouts over 104 in third innings in 21 games, which were 20 starts uh, for the Minnesota Twins this past year. Uh, he is that, uh, you know, tail as old as time, right? Bringing in a veteran guy with the young rotation with Scooball, Olsen, Mize, and Manning. Scooball being the oldest there on the staff at 27, who is a very, very intriguing pitcher to watch this year. But Olsen at 24, Mize at 26, and Manning at 25. Something I saw that I thought was interesting was um, so the general manager of the Detroit Tigers today, I'm blanking on his name, so I don't want to butcher it, but he mentioned that Maeda is a guy who has been known to be a fly ball pitcher. And we thought that with our ballpark, we thought that that would be a value to to him to have a bigger ballpark, uh, along with having a, you know, a pretty elite uh, defensive lineman out there in, in the outfield. KMA, you saw the Tigers the most probably out of all of us this past season. I I like the ad, 
but wanted to hear your thoughts because is this the move that puts them in the right direction or would you have liked this maybe see them go after somebody a little bit better? No, I think this is certainly a move that puts them in the right direction. You mentioned the youth of the starting rotation as it is now. So I think that added like a veteran president, someone who's been there before, someone who's made the playoffs, right? Someone who knows how to win, right? Um, I think he's going to mold in really well with that rotation, just based on the age that you said. That's a really good point that you brought up with their ballpark too, because they do play in one of the bigger ballparks in the league. So I think he's going to you know, rely on that and he's going to benefit from that playing in that ballpark um, quite a bit this year. Um, we talked about the Tigers too previously, I know, and, and other pods, but they're one of those teams who are like up and coming. They're like a piece or two away from really competing in that AL Central. Um, I think they could be a dark horse to win the division this year, actually, um, once we get closer and seeing what they do with the rest of the offseason. Um, but they got a lot of pieces in place. So, you know, get a couple more pieces there and, and look out for those Detroit Tigers. I think they're they're getting pretty close. Would love to see it. The city needs it. I know the Red Wings are coming back now. The Pistons are... They don't have anything. The Lions, of course, you know, are starting to come alive. Be cool to city. Be cool to see that city uh, be on the come up again because it's such a great sports town. Vinny, your thoughts on the signing? Yeah, uh, definitely great for the rotation. I think, like Kyle said, they are a dark horse, and they might not be that dark of a horse after all said and done. Because, I mean, you had Minnesota who won the division, and they just lost Maeda and um, um, Sunny Gray, right? So. You know, the Tigers are geared for a few years away, but who says that they couldn't start to really put a run together over this next year? I mean, their their offense is so young and super, super talented. And you got Scubel, who, you know, is definitely looking like an ace to come. So it'll be exciting to see where they where they go. But yeah, they, I mean, this team is is definitely poised to win the central right now. And you know, I don't think they really need to add much more. Another signing that um, that has kind of slipped through the cracks was they signed Mark Canna right away, right when free agency started. So another veteran guy who can show, you know, Parker Meadows and Riley Green how to kind of navigate. And another guy that we often forget that I think if they start rolling could really find his groove again. I know a lot of people might laugh at it, but Javi Baez, like one of the most exciting players that baseball has seen over the last 10, 15 years. <laughs> Tyler has gotten up from his chair, removed his headphones, and will be leaving the podcast. Um, if, if I mean, he's a guy who feeds off energy. And if this team, who's been in the dumps for a few years, does finally start to get on a roll, who knows? Like, he could figure something out. I mean, maybe he doesn't swing at every pitch and he, you know, has <laughs> lower than a 40% strikeout rate. But... <laughs> It's it's possible. So I think they have all of the pieces to win the Central right now. And Kenta Maeda was a terrific ad for them. He'll be DFA'd by the next year. <laughs> Good points, Vinny. Good points. I, I just I did not think that name would come up. I was like, oh, you're gonna bring up Meadows, or you'll bring up you know a really you know nice little player. And yeah. Well, sometimes it's the guys that you don't really think about that have been out for a while that you just like are kind of like in the back of your head. Those are the guys who who might really make an impact, like Mark Canna, like. That signing went so unnoticed, but he could be a huge cog for them of this upcoming year. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's I love it. I, I do love it because I'm probably gonna eat my words for this. I just don't see uh Javi Baez uh, ever being back to who he was. But again, he's a guy who plays in the moment. He loves the he wants to be a part of a winning team. He wants to be part of a winning environment. That just it, it just didn't make any sense at the beginning as to why he went there. But again, yep. definitely a guy that could find uh, figure It'll out. It'll be a fun conversation when we dive into that team for sure. It will be. Oh, it's yeah. that's gonna be, be one of my one. favorite episodes. So um boys, to continue on with the hot stove uh session here, the D backs get their new third baseman in Juanio Suarez being traded to the desert from Seattle. Seattle receives right-handed pitcher Carlos Vargas and catcher Sebi Savala in exchange for Suarez. Suarez will have one year left on his current contract at around $11 million with an additional club option for $15 million in 2025. Um, a very underwhelming year in some eyes, but if you look at the production that they were getting from Evan Longoria this past season over at third base, this is a major, major upgrade. Uh, Suarez had 22 home runs with 96 RBIs compared to Longoria's 11 home runs with 28 RBIs for the Snakes in 2023. Um, boys, I as you know, as a guy who lives out here right now, what a fun addition 
to the club, uh, a guy that really it's kind of embodies uh, the desert in itself. And he's going to bring a lot of flair that they may miss now with uh, potentially losing Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So I really loved the signing because they didn't have to break the bank with this signing. And they also, too, of course, with them having such a talented farm system, you're not, you know, blocking anybody at that position for the future. Now, I don't know off the top of my head what those guys look like at over at third base for the D-backs of the future. But again, Vinny, I know you were, you were on this first. Uh, your thoughts on the signing? Yeah. The trade, uh, excuse me. Sure. I mean, my first my first reaction was this adds a lot of depth for a much needed infield. I mean, it looks like, you know, from my outside point of view, I think Jordan Lawler's their starting shortstop come opening day. And I think Eugenio Suarez is their starting third baseman. Geraldo Perdomo is going to play a super utility role. That's just like if you're a Diamondbacks fan, that's music to your ears, because not only do you have positional flexibility with Perdomo, but you have depth and you have like guys that you know that you can count on. Like Perdomo's been there. He's done that. So um, great signing for them. A few just fun numbers, or I guess one in particular is that his defense, Suarez's defense, he had the fifth best outs above average at third base last year. So they're getting a guy who who knows how to play third base defense and who's going to hit bombs. I mean, we talked about it. They needed some pop in that lineup. We talked about it during the, with the World Series. And they got it. They got the bat that they needed at, at a position that they needed. I mean, you lose Sebi Zavala, who is, you know, potentially a great backup for Gabby Moreno, but you get you. I think you fill a bigger hole there. So great move by by the Diamondbacks. Kimmy. Yeah, I agree with what Vinny said. Um, you know, like you said, we talked about how the D-backs need some pop in the middle of that lineup. That definitely fills fills a void there. I'm going to flip this around and look at this from the Mariners perspective a little bit. If I'm a Mariners fan, I'm going, what the hell? Like that was a terrible trade in there. And there, and in my opinion, you get basically gave away a 20, 25 home run guy for peanuts and nothing coming back the other way. Really? Um, you get a reliever and Sebi Zavala, as we said, and Sebi Zavala was on the South side for a while. He'll be a fine backup catcher, but he's nothing special. That's these, there'll be nothing more than that. Um, you know, it seems like kind of a little bit of a salary dump for Seattle. Um, but I don't know. I, I just can't. They were, what, one game away from making the playoffs, and they're already looking to cut salary. I, I just don't know if I'd be able to get behind that um, from a fan perspective. But great move for the D-backs, like you guys mentioned. I agree with all that. It's a very, very valid take, K-May, because this puts a lot of pressure on Mariner's ownership to get something done and get Definitely. a ni- and get a really, really nice free agent because they're linked to a lot of guys. But let's be honest, they haven't made – those splash moves in a very, very long time. And and yes, I know Teoscar. Yeah, I know about when they got Suarez. Like, I know about those. I'm talking when you're talking, you know, organizational change regarding a player, right? Adding to the fold with, you know, Julio out there and adding another big bat because they're just not going to surpass these other teams now without that move. So, yeah, I, I saw it and I was like, wow, good for the D-backs. But the D-backs, when they... Funny enough, they in that trade last year, they lost a guy in the Seawall deal that I thought was a really, really nice player that stats maybe didn't show, but was a really nice player around the infield is Josh Rojas. I always liked Josh Rojas. Now, that his numbers will not back up my take there because he had a 641 OPS this past season, but in other seasons, 739, 752 in those two previous years, and he was a guy that can play around the infield. Um and when you lost that, you pretty much just had Perdomo and you had Longoria. And then um, I'm blanking on the other guy's name who sort of uh, filled uh, kind of back and forth with Longo over at third base. What's the guy I was thinking of? Um, who was the guy? La- who was the guy in the World Series that played third base for the D-backs for a couple of games? You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I can picture him. I, yeah, either way, either way, it, it was a guy where it was like, wow, that's that's a really nice player. He doesn't fill that void, though, for, for them now at third base over in Seattle. So I agree, KMA. They better make a move. Yeah, definitely. So, Vinny, anything else to add there? No, was it Emmanuel Rivera? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I have to add there. Good player. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's a starting, he started at third base during a World Series game. He's a good player. I'm just saying is that it would have been nice. I loved 
the ability for Rojas, that left-handed bat that you could throw in the lineup at any time that I felt like they were kind of missing that throughout the playoffs. But that's besides the point. Uh, finally, Mike Schilt named the new manager of the San Diego Padres. Just a little nugget there, a guy that um, I, I think we can all agree really still doesn't understand. I still don't understand why the Cardinals got rid of yeah. him. Yep, no I, idea. Not a chance. I mean – I don't really understand why they did. And uh, I think it's a fantastic move because that is a, you know, that's a lot of egos in that clubhouse. And I know we've all played on teams like that where you just can't control it as if you can't control it as a manager or, or a coach, it's, it's extremely difficult to have success on the field with that team. So I've heard, you know, nothing but great things about Schilt. And I know these guy will back up his players. And with that clubhouse, you got to do that in front of the media. So uh, should be good. All right, boys. Any other thoughts there on the hot stove before we get to the comeback players of the year? That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, the NL and AL comeback players of the year were announced here today. Uh, the NL comeback player of the year being Cody Bellinger. He's signed by the Cubs on a one-year prove-it deal for the 2023 season. Bellinger was a pivotal piece to the lineup for the Cubs. Vinny and I, as Cub fans, uh, Believe me, I don't personally think we're in the running for the free agents we are now without Bellinger and what he did this past season and how he basically uh, had an MVP-like season, uh, just unfortunately was up against guys like Acuna and other players. But um, not only offensively, but defensively as well, a guy you can plug into any outfield position along with playing gold glove level de defense over at first base, a guy that the Cubs hopefully will bring back here uh, for the future. Uh, but his, I mean, his campaign was unbelievable. 307, 356, 525 slash line. That 307 batting average and 525 slugging were uh, the uh, highest of his career since his MVP season. A silver slugger award in the utility category. And ultimately, of course, the comeback player of the year in the NL. Vinny, we'll start with you, buddy. I mean, this is a guy that truly, I, I, I remember when that signing happened and it was like $18 million and people were like, oh, you know, up in arms about it. But I knew that the Cubs were not going to be able to get any other big time free agents. And I was rooting for the guy from day one. Yeah, I was too. I mean, so when the signing happened, my gut punch reaction was, why did we just pay him 18? Like, that's way too much. I mean, I get the buyback, but 18 million for, for a bounce back year. Like to me, that felt like a lose, lose, like. I get the the purpose of the one year, but you're signing him for a lot of money. And if he does bounce back, now you're going to have to sign him long term for a lot of money. Or, you know, he doesn't bounce back and you just wasted $18 million on, you know, when you could have spent it elsewhere. So my initial reaction was boo, but he really won me over this year. I mean, he played exceptional. And any Cub fan who watched the Cubs over the year, you know, and we can do a deeper dive into this when we when we look at the Cubs. But I mean, he was fantastic. That being said, um, if the Cubs do end up signing him to a long-term deal, that means they probably don't get Otani and or Yamamoto. So I'm kind of hoping that he doesn't come back for that specific reason, you know, and, and it's sad because I think that's a great point that you make that the Cubs are not in the running for those guys if, if he didn't have the year that he had. And, you know, the Cubs were a nail away from, from getting in. So um, love Cody. And I really hope like if he is going to sign a deal, I hope it's a long-term deal. I hope it's somewhere where he can have a chance to win because the guy just, he absolutely, you know, won me over this year. He played terrific and um, you know, he proved me so wrong. So we love you, Cody. And uh, yeah, best of luck to you. If you don't come back to Chicago. Absolutely. He's got two kids now too. So he, the family has started for him and we know that these guys are, Again, at the end of the at the end of the day, they're human beings, and so they need to find a place that's going to be where their family, you know, can can grow and everything. And he's a guy who's also a Boris client, and the outfield free agent class just is not that not at that level like other years. Um, and the Soto deal, if that doesn't go through, teams are going to need a guy like Bellinger. Um, so if he's going to get paid, it's going to be a lot of money. Uh, we'll see if the Cubs decide to do that i do want to say too that being said if if the he does come back to the cubs and the cubs don't get otani but he's willing to play first base i would love that right he would make he mm -hmm. that would be a perfect fit for him i mean if you have pca in center hap and suzuki and left and right i mean you've you've fixed a hole you've plugged a hole at first base because the cubs have a massive one so i just i would love to see him back but for the money i just don't know how it's going to happen mm -hmm. so yeah absolutely Kyle? yeah 
Yeah, you guys hit it on hit it on the head. Um, I'm a, I've always been a guy who roots for players who sign a one year contract on like prove it deals, and they end up like showing out. Like that's that's also that's, that's what it's all about, right? Like, fuck you. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna show out and earn my contract, and that's what he went out and did. So uh, it was awesome to see, even from a White Sox perspective. I think the um, better story of the awards here is the AL Comeback Player of the Year and Liam Hendricks. He announced on January 8th of this year that he was diagnosed with stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He reached remission on April 20th and was able to make his season debut on May 29th. One of the best highlights of the year was his 2023 debut where I wonder how he was able to make a pitch that night. His uh, guaranteed rate didn't have a dry eye in the ballpark and included many fans holding up signs saying Team Liam. Uh, team Liam, excuse me. Uh, really no need to read stats on on this guy at all. Uh, truly one of those things that it's just bigger than baseball. Uh, it's more than baseball. And uh, K-May, you saw it firsthand, buddy. I know this is a guy that uh, for a lot of the blackout games during the playoffs was a guy that uh, legitimately electrified the stadium. And he's a guy that I truly wish was in a Cubs uniform, if I'm being honest. Uh, but K-May, I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, I mean, just a great guy, right? Just the guy you root for. No injury, no injury, cancer, no cancer. Just the guy you root for no matter what. Um, puts it all out on the field, you know, for his teammates um, each and every night. You know, the fact that he even pitched in a game this this season is an accomplishment in himself. Um, you know, you mentioned, you don't need to mention the stats. Um, he unfortunately had a Tommy John about a month after he came back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he can't really say much else, right? Just bigger than baseball, um, unreal that he came back, was able to pitch this year and just an inspiration for all people who are, you know, struggling with things that are bigger than, bigger than baseball, such as non Hopkins or any form of cancer for that matter. Um, just to keep fighting and, you know, you know, you never know what's, what's going to come up next. So. Yeah. I love this story because it is one of those, like, this is part of the reason why we love sports. Right. And especially baseball is, there are things that are just bigger than baseball and it, it, it's such a, it gives you hope. It gives you, you know, pride. And for him to come back, it's just, I mean, hats off. He is so well deserving of this award. Um, I do hope he comes back. I know he's a fierce competitor, but if he doesn't, and this was, you know, this was it, I know he had the Tommy John. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just, you know, hung it up after that and did go and spend time with his family. But um, just an absolute guy, even as a Cubs fan, you can't not root for him. So um, just absolutely. Ma it makes me love baseball, watching guys like him come back and do what he did. So um, hats off to him. Absolutely. Yeah. And and honestly, too, I, I don't think he's done. I think he is to make a comeback like that. Now to have a torn UCL is going to look you know miniature to, <laughs> to him. Right. Because this guy is such a badass. And uh, yeah, I hope he does have another shot. And I hope that he does have a shot with a team whether that is the White Sox or whomever in probably the 2025 campaign or latter of 2024, where he is able to be in the playoffs. Cause this is a guy that people need to watch. Uh, and, and it's sad that unfortunately he, um, you know, whatever happened, it's, it's an unfortunate news with the torn UCL, but um, we're hoping to see him back as soon as we can. So uh, congrats to both Cody and Liam, both incredible stories. Uh, Liam's story was one of the best in sports this past year. Um, I know that he won an SB award as well. So congratulations to him. We're Did he? I missed that. That's so cool. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. I missed that. I never watched those. I have to, but sorry. So just so cool, man. Those it's are such an electric guy when he's on the mound. I mean, just that's yeah. Can't yeah. say enough good things about him. Well, speaking of the Chicago White Sox here, we're going to do our 2024 outlook for the Sox going into the 2024 campaign. Top storylines. New regime as Chris Getz is, was promoted general manager of the organization on August August 31st of this year. And I think what a lot of Sox fans are talking about is the new core and what that's going to look like moving forward. Are we going to see the players that we'll talk about in this projected lineup and rotation be on the field for the Sox the entire year? Or could we see them moving on, you know, and creating a, a next level farm system uh, that we could see, uh, you know, potential really big opportunity for the Sox moving forward. Um, looking at the projected lineup right now, as of now for 2024, Andrew Benatendi in left field, Luis Robert in center field, Eloy Jimenez at DH, Andrew Vaughn over at first base, Yon Mancada at third, Oscar Colas at right field, Paul DeYoung, who's just signed to a one-year deal at short, 
Corey Lee, who came over in the deal uh, with the Astros this past year uh, at behind the dish, and then Nikki Lopez, who was a part of the Aaron Bummer deal as of late uh, over at second base. So, KMA, I know this isn't the team that you want to see out in the field next year. Uh, we, we know that. But if you were to pick maybe some bright spots that we could see out of that core lineup this year, who are you most excited about watching? Uh, I mean, Louis Robert always, that guy's just an electric factory on the field, right? Um, both on defense and on offense. Um, so he's obviously, honestly, one of the lone bright spots in the lineup. Um, Eloy Jimenez, don't know if he's going to be there. He might be on the trade block this winter. Oscar Colas is really disappointing last year. He was my dark horse pick for AL Rook of the Year. Clearly did not um, live up to those expectations that I had for him. Um let me see. Moncada is always hurt, so doubt we're going to get a lot of games from him again. Andrew Vaughn is underperformed, um, so I don't know. You know, maybe we'll look for a bounce back season from him. And Ben Attendee, same thing, um, kind of underperformed with the contract that he had. So I don't know if we're <laughs> if you want me to look at bright spots, I would say Luis Robert and possibly Andrew Vaughn have kind of a bounce back season there. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a. Uh, Dark state of affairs on the south side right now. Um, not looking you, great, but as you said, there are some opportunities coming up that we'll talk about. What do you Sorry, see as like? No, 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 totally fine. This is your episode. This is your episode, man. What do you? What do you? What does success look like for the Sox in twenty twenty four? Suck a little less than last year and restock your farm system and get ready to compete in twenty twenty five. Yeah. I, I was going to ask the same thing because, I mean, are there guys like a Gavin Sheets or I, you know, talk about Colas and you can say growth isn't linear, right? First year in the majors has got to be tough. So maybe, you know, he's still got some talent. Maybe he does take a step forward like they planned, but, you know, are there any guys? So Ben Attendee, maybe, you know, you kind of know what he is. Um, yeah. that, are there guys that you think if we are going to be competitive in 2024, they have to kind of show up, um, Kyle. Yeah, you mentioned Oscar Colas. I mean, he's got to have a huge bounce back season. He was really disappointing last year. Um, same with Eloy. I mean, if, if he's not traded and he stays on the roster, he needs to stay healthy. And, you know, he's got to hit 300 and hit 20 to 30 bombs, which we know he can do. He's capable of it. It's just been a matter of staying healthy. So if he can stay healthy, you know, put his, put his season together, staying healthy, there's a possibility there. And again, same with Andrew Vaughn. He's kind of underperformed for his whole career, being the third overall pick. We were expecting a lot more bigger things from him. Um, but if you know if he can stay in the field and, again, kind of put up more consistent numbers, I think there's some opportunity there. It's really those middle guys who have a lot of the pop, right, who need to kind of show out because that's where they've really struggled the last two years. They haven't had a lot of guys who hit the ball out of the ballpark. And playing at guaranteed rate field, you need guys who can hit home runs because it's, it's, a, it's a short porch all around the field. So need more pop and you need those guys with pop to perform who are on the field. I would think too, sorry, real quick is that you also want to see a healthy season from Luis Robert, like a full, can Luis Robert play 150, 160 games and still, you know, be a dude like, yeah. So th this past season was his first like full healthy season and he showed what he could do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. He, he's got, he, he's got to put a couple of those together. So yeah, him staying healthy too would, would be big. Yeah, I mean, this was his first year playing over 100 games. He got to 145, but that was his first year ever. And so, I mean, but he balled out, yeah. right? He's He's got the talent. So, super excited. Yeah, in the prime, in the prime of his career too, right? Like, yep. in, I don't know, 24, 25, I don't know how old he is for sure, but around there. If you're picking, so if I look at this lineup right now, it's almost a non-negotiable that I, I don't see why you would trade Luis Robert. I don't. No, yeah. It, no. no, you have nothing. For sure. He's, he's the nothing. one untouchable. Yep. Yeah, he's the one untouchable. So if you were to say out of Vaughn, let's say Vaughn, Colas, and Eloy, if you can keep one of those guys, who are you keeping? Probably Colas because he has the most upside. Um, you know, Eloy's oh, been interesting. Okay. He's been Eloy's been in the league for a few years. We kind of know what he is. Again, he can't really stay healthy. He's kind of proved that throughout his career, unfortunately. Um, Bond, same thing. He's been in the league for a few years now and has kind of underperformed. Colas, as Vinny kind of mentioned earlier, we don't really know what he's going to be yet. Still really young, still really raw. So he could very much turn into a really good player. So he probably is the most upside of the three of those guys. So I'd probably say Colas if I had to pick one. Okay. 
Rotation-wise, uh, for 2024, as of now, Dylan Cease, a uh, lot of rumors around him at this point. Uh, Michael Kopech, really one of the more – who was one of the most intriguing prospects coming up in, in some time, uh, right now slated in the two spot. Tuki Tassan, who had an unbelievable game against the Cubs this past year, one of the more frustrating games I've watched. Uh, Mike Soroka, who, of course, came over in the uh, large deal with Aaron Bummer from the Braves, and then a mix of a bunch of options at number five, including uh, Jared Suster, who came over in there in Bummer deal. But, Kame, I know you had some names uh, potentially that you could see in the five spot. Who are we seeing potentially as that fifth starter? Yeah, well, first off, I think it's pretty much a lock that Dylan Sees won't be on the White Sox come spring training. I think he'll get moved this winter, maybe as early as next week at the winter meetings. Um, we'll see. Uh, but I, I think there's probably over 90% chance that he gets traded. Um, in that five spot, we'll talk about the prospects later, but there's a guy I really like, Nick Mistrini, who they got back in the Lance Lindy at the trade deadline. Um, he had a really good year last year in AAA. He's right in the fringe of getting into the majors. So I think he's a good champ. If he, if he, if he has a good spring, he has a good chance to break break spring with the team and slot into that number five spot. Um, outside of that, you know, the Soroka, you're kind of taking a flyer on him. Can he, can he bounce back and stay healthy? And same with Schuster, kind of taking a flyer in the back end of their rotation. But as we talked about earlier, that's going to be kind of the year for the White Sox, right? Just kind of taking a flyer on a couple of guys and seeing where it goes. Um, if it doesn't work out, then they'll kind of retool and go back at it in 25 again. And and Cease is going to be, I mean, the haul that you're going to get for that guy because he's got two yeah. years of control. So that is yeah. very intriguing. Um, I mean, would you, in a Dylan Cease-like deal, is there anybody else that you would add to the deal? that could really you could really get a large haul maybe from the Orioles or one of these teams that has this amazing uh, farm system. Is there any other guys that you would just kind of clip onto that deal that you'd like to see that is of worth of value? Yeah, I mean, I think in any trade, it, it, it kind of comes down to what our team's looking for, right, on the other end. Um, but if you were to pick a guy, probably Eloy Jimenez has the most value just because he has so much raw power. Um, so he'd be a guy that you could kind of strap onto that deal and, and just add a add a prospect or two onto the deal already with C's that you could get back and maximize that maximize that trade. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for one, that'd probably be the guy I'd say. Right on. I I want to push back because if I'm a Sox fan, I I want to see Eloy Jimenez on this team as we rebuild because he's got another year and then he's got two years worth of club options. If he can stay healthy as your DH, I mean, because a lot of times when he's been hurt, you know, it's been playing the outfield. If you can keep him off his feet in the outfield, I just, I personally, you know, and obviously you know the team a little bit better than I do. I just, I, I don't know how you can pass up a guy who is just a perennial 30 home run guy if he's healthy. And, you know, he just is right in the middle of your lineup. If you have Eloy and Luis Robert, I don't, you know, you're going to be hard pressed to find a better three, four in, in major, in major league baseball than that. So if you get a couple guys in front, a couple guys behind, I would just, I would love to see him really put it together as a white Sox, uh, as a white sock. Do you say sock? How does that, do you say white sock or that is actually no, a great question. Yeah. White socks for sure. It's got to have the X there. White so socks. as a white Sox, white Sox just, fan. No, oh, but like Eloy is a, yeah, how do Eloy I say it? Eloy is a White Sox. That's how you say it. Whoa. That just blew my <laughs> mind. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I would I would try to tag like, you know, somewhere where you maybe have like Yohan Mankata, if you could, right? Because hopefully, and you, you know, we'll talk about it. Ramos is is hopefully up and coming, or if DeYoung eventually does get moved. But um, yeah, that's just my two cents. I just I think Eloy is is something special. I mean, Vinny, yeah, the only and, problem, though, is is he's not hit 30 home runs since 2019. Right. In 16 and a half next year and 18 and a half the year after that as a club options. Sure. But so my point is, this is I mean, this is essentially what I'm saying. If he if he is healthy this year and he hits 30 home runs, I I don't see how you don't pay him 16 million the next year. I just I don't know. I doesn't make sense to me, but. I, I get big, I get both sides of it. I do. Sorry. Go ahead. My, my biggest gripe with the guy is like he can't even run the damn bases without like tripping over himself and like pulling a hamstring or something. It's like, dude, get a little coordination, you know? Like the simplest things lead to an injury with him, which is so, so frustrating because he, we mentioned the potential that he has. 
it's just a matter of staying healthy and, you know, producing the way we know we can. Um, yeah. I mean, he reminds me like, he's like Jordan Alvarez jr. Like a light version of Jordan in my opinion. Like he's just a great hitter. He can hit 280, right? He can hit. Yeah. I think last 280 year, he like, and he like, 270. Like, yeah. I just, I Jordan light. And I mean, I'm one of the biggest believers in Jordan. I think Jordan is an absolute stud. So um, I don't know. Maybe that's just why I think what I think of him. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do. But if he's with them as a Sox fan, I wouldn't be too upset. That's all. He did have a 441 slug, um, but 758 OPS. 2022, he had a really nice year, 858 OPS. But I, I have to agree with K-May here because the way that I've seen Eloy is it. it's not like he doesn't care but it looks like he doesn't prepare as a big leaguer. Like he's not prepared to go out in the field for 140, 50 games and be a perennial bat in that lineup. And I don't know if, and, and, and I might butcher this last name. Kame, is it Gratterall? Is that how you say his last name? The manager? Yeah. No, like I fall. thought, I, I thought he was coming in to sort of be a guy, like a, a, a more intense voice in that clubhouse after the Larusa regime. I thought that he would push him to do more. What What did you see this past season? That are we are maybe are we seeing maybe something there, or are we sort of seeing the same old Eloy? Yeah, you make a valid point. Um, you know, well. Let's just start by saying we, we don't know how big leaders prepare, right? Like they all have their own routines. So we, we can't really talk about that as far as that goes. Um, but I agree with you. You know, just the, how do you say it? Desire to win, I guess, just didn't seem as adamant, right? Not kind of a guy that you want in the clubhouse, I, I guess you could say. Um, you know, you want guys who want to go out there and compete every day and, and want to win. You know, with Eloy, it's a lot of just they're having fun, which is great. But, you know, you want that competitive edge um, is what you want as, as your guys. So, yeah, I, I agree with you in some aspects there, Tilo. I do. Yeah. Uh, another guy in that lineup uh, that I hope has a better year this year because he was a very, very highly touted catching prospect is Corey Lee. What was your overall impression of him this year? And can we see more of a uh, bounce back year from him? Yeah, he, he was solid defensively. He couldn't freaking hit a boat if it was hanging out of a water, or how do you say it? Couldn't he hit, hit water, water with a paddle a or something like that? If he fell out What's of a boat. Saying? Yeah. I butchered the hell out of that. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, he, he couldn't hit very well. Uh, he, was, he was very poor at the plate. <laughs> this is year, a literature so. segment by Mr. May. <laughs> um, oh, so, yeah, I do expect them to add. I do expect them to add um, a catcher in free agency, maybe someone like a Martin Maldonado or an Austin Hedges makes some sense. Um, just as kind of a veteran presence. I do think with the young staff that you're going to have, um, they need kind of a veteran presence back there, someone who's been around for a while. So, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of look I, – I do expect them to make a move at the catcher position, so I kind of look at Corey Lee to slide into that backup catcher role personally. If the Cubs didn't have uh, Amaya – you know, I would have loved them to go after Maldonado because you just hear about like Verlander talked about it. He said that team were nothing without him. So that'd be a great addition. I know we'll talk about uh, potential free agent targets for them because weirdly enough, I don't know who their targets are at this point after getting to young, but we'll talk about it here in a little bit. Um, let's talk. Let's talk maybe the future and the future does look kind of bright for this team because they got some prospects that are absolute uh, demons out there. And one of them being Colson Montgomery. Um, what we're going to do here, folks, is we're, I'm going to give my two, K-May and Vinny will also give two of their pro top prospects. We'll round it there out, uh, round it out there at the end. Uh, Colson Montgomery, of course, is the future shortstop for the White Sox, 17th overall prospect in the MLB Top 100, of course, the number one prospect in the farm system. Had a very nice 2023 minor league campaign uh, that saw him rise from rookie ball to double A. He had a 287, 455. 484 slash line over the three levels, uh, same amount of walks to strikeouts in 2023 as well, which is incredibly impressive. And he brought a ton of pop to the, uh, to this past Arizona fall league season with three home runs and including a 556 slugging percentage uh, over the course of that month. Uh, another guy that I also see being a very talented prospect is Jake Eater. Fastball touches up to, or he's a left-handed pitcher, excuse me. Fastball touches up to 96, but he can top out 
at 98. He came over in the deal with the Jake Berger, uh, with Jake Berger this past year that a lot of people saw as the White Sox winning that deal. Berger did show out, but I think Eater is going to be a really nice prospect for the Sox moving forward. Uh, 60 grade slider to go along with that 60 grade fastball. Uh, highly touted in the 2021 season, but unfortunately ended with a foot surgery and Tommy John that sidelined him until uh, June of this past year. So this is a guy that I'm really excited about uh, because a lot of people were saying, wow, that's a that's a nice little prospect to give for Jake Berger. Uh, Jake Berger, of course, worked out for the Marlins, but uh, two prospects that I see being very, uh, very nice ads. So, boys, go with your two prospects, and at the end we'll talk about uh, those names. So uh, we'll go with Kyle next. Sure. So I'll start with my guys. Um, let's see, who did I first? Uh, oh, Ramos, right? I'd run. Yeah, yeah, Ramos. So yeah, Brian Ramos, um, third baseman, been in the minors, really good season last year. Um, two sixty four, three fifty eight, and four fifty slugging, um, eight oh eight OPS in eighty one games. Um, up and coming prospect, kind of a guy who's rose over the last couple of years, um, struggled to kind of stay healthy er early, early on in his career, um, but has really kind of figured it out and, and uh, turned it on as of late. You know, we talk about Yuan Moncada. He struggled with injuries over the last couple of years as well. So who knows if there's an injury early in the season, I could definitely see him get an early call up and get in the big leagues um, pretty quickly here once we get started with the season. Um, second guy we have is Nick Destrini. If the season started right now, I would slot him in as the number five guy in that rotation. He's a guy who came over from the Dodgers in the Lance Lynn trade at the trade deadline last year. Struggled a bit down the stretch, but still wasn't terrible. End of the season with a 408 ERA, 9 and 5 um, in 25 games, and 114 um, innings pitched. Um, really good stuff. Pipe, big power fastball. Um, we know how the Dodgers kind of develop pitchers in that system. Um, so he's a guy who's up and coming who I, who I can see and hope that he can kind of stick in the rotation and be a mainstay in that rotation for a lot of years going forward. Ben. Yeah. Big fan of Montgomery and Ramos. I think you guys got something special over there at, uh, on the left side of the infield. I think they were both playing on the left side. I think they were testing it out, um, late this year. I think they were both on the same minor league team, testing it out, getting comfortable yeah. with each other. Yeah. Um, both in double a. Yeah. So I first I'm going to talk about Noah Schultz um, and I have some some rooting power in this. So I, you know, I do fantasy baseball, like I mentioned every time. Right. And Noah Schultz is a guy who when you when you play dynasty baseball, what rule of thumb is you don't go after pitching like prospect pitching because they're so volatile. They always get hurt. Tommy John is almost inevitable. There are some exceptions to that rule. Like, for example, we saw, you know, Andrew Painter might have been an exception or Grayson Rodriguez. Noah Schultz is an exception. He is a guy I took with my second round, early second round pick last year because the dude is just nasty. He is six foot nine left handed pitcher who is reminiscent of Randy Johnson. He's got like a low three quarters arm slot and he pumps up to 97. The guy is just absolutely disgusting. And if you watch him pitch, I mean, you can see why I won't go too far into like underlying numbers, but I'll give you a few things that I think are just crazy. So he only threw, you know, coming off of injury, he was kind of hard to scout coming out of high school. He only threw 27 professional innings last year. So he didn't get too much action. Younger guys, they tend to really hold them back, right? They might have them start and go two, three innings or something like that. He had 10 starts last year. You listening? Ready? 10 starts in single A. He allowed zero runs, zero earned runs in nine of those 10 starts. Zero earned runs in nine out of 10 starts is just absolutely insane. Um, you know, he struck out 38 in 27 innings and walked only six. He's just the sky is the limit for this kid. And if your rotation can end up having him along with Nastrini, I mean, the dude is just, he looks like he could be an ace. He's just, he's got to stay healthy and got to control his arm a little bit because he is just absolutely disgusting. It is like, he is, again, I don't reach for pitchers when I play Dynasty Baseball. He is one I reached for. So I hope he pays off. I hope my rooting um, 
does come in because I'm, I'm very excited to watch him as he grows and hopefully throws more than 27 innings this year. Um, and the other guy I want to touch on too is Edgar Cuero. I, I think he, you know, we talked about, um, talked about Corey Lee a little bit, but Edgar Cuero is a catcher. He's currently in double a right now. And in 2022, he won the single A MVP honors, um, and he hit 313, 435, 530. This is a slash line as a 19 year old. Um, jumped up to double A this year and had another okay year. He hit um, 277 um, throughout the course of his second stint in double A. So, you know, he he's got potential. He looks like a good bat. Doesn't look like he's got a whole lot of pop, but he he can eventually grow into it. I mean, he's still a young guy, so. Um, you, you like to see him kind of grow into his frame a little bit, but hopefully, you know, it looks like he's estimated about 2025. If he's in double a, I wouldn't mind seeing him make that double a to the MLB jump maybe later this year. Right. Especially if he's hitting another 270, 280. why not give him a shot? See what you got and, you know, have him alongside with, um, Corey Lee and, you know, see what you got. I mean, because I think that's going to be a huge thing for the White Sox this year is once Cease is gone and maybe another offensive piece, it's going to be let the kids play, right? How many of these young guys can you get in to, you know, see what you got? Because they they have a good system, right? And we've talked about just a few guys. They got plenty more. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think they got plenty of talent and plenty of uh, upside in this in this system. I love the uh, Monca- or excuse me, uh, Ramos. Um, because it looks like his ETA per MLB.com looks to be 2024. Mankata has a club option next year of $25 million. Um, <laughs> yeah. I really hope they pick that up. So when they do not pick that up, they can plug Ramos in. Montgomery will be ready to go. Um, even keep Nicky Lopez over at second base if offensively can get going. If Vaughn is there, maybe he gets going. Then you got Luis Robert in center field, Ben Attendee in left field. Juan Soto in right field. Otani at DH. Shohei at DH. I was just going to say that. Yeah, 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 Otani gets a one-year opt-out from the Dodgers. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I mean, K-Mate, let's let's be realistic. This year's not going to work. We know that. But, I mean, they're they're on the come-up, man. I mean, I'm serious. These prospects are legit. Yeah, we'll see, man. Um, You know, I felt the same way. I felt the same way when you own Mankata and Eloy and Lucas Giolito. All those guys were in like double A, triple A, two and coming up, right? Like it felt like we were on the cusp of something great. So you never really know about prospects until they come up into the bigs and see see what they can do. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, you know, as, as terrible of a season and painful to watch them last year was, I'm somewhat optimistic. Um, you know, they continue to rebuild the farm. You know, like I said, Dylan sees most likely to get traded. So you're going to restock the farm even more after that trade. So we'll see what they got. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go, what they get back and the returns of the trades that they do, do make in the future. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Free agent target wise. I know it's kind of tough just because a lot of these positions realistically are filled. Um, I mean, we talked about Maldonado as a backup catcher or a backup catcher in that role. I think that is, uh, you know, obviously something that they'll look for. But do you fellas have anybody that you think would plug in? Because we talked about the fifth spot in the rotation is pretty much locked down. I mean, if Cease goes, that might change things a little bit. But you guys got anybody? Yeah, I do think they need some depth still in that rotation. Um, You know, they certainly won't be buyers at the top of the market, but. I don't know, maybe someone like a Shamanaya can make some sense. Um, plug in there at the bottom of that rotation. Um, there could probably also use some outfield depth um, with the uncertainty of what Colas is going to be this year. Maybe someone like Harrison Bader would make some sense. Um, again, just someone to add a little speed, a little pop to that lineup. Um, can maybe add some sense. They're, like I said, they're certainly not going to be big spenders um, as, as far as the free agent market goes. But those are some lower end guys, lower end guys that maybe they could be looking at. Is Adam Duvall a free agent? Hmm. I don't know. Does that just scream like 30 plus bombs? Does that guarantee 30 plus bombs at guaranteed right field? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Who is he going to play? Oh, uh, Eloy. Eloy's going to play. Eloy's gone. Oh, oh. uh, yeah. I thought Eloy would pitch. 
I, hey, I wish we were able to do the White Sox. I maybe we'll do a bonus episode when if these deals do go down because that completely changes everything. Completely changes everything. Yeah, and I'm sure it will. Um, the one guy that I did want to mention too because I, I saw an article um, from Sports Mockery and I thought it was actually really really smart um, is Austin Meadows from the Detroit Tigers who. I don't know if you followed him too much last year, but um, he, he sat out due to anxiety, right? And he had to get his mind right, which, you know, good for him. I hope he, he figures out what he needs to figure out because the dude can play and he's got the baseball lineage, right? If you followed too, Parker Meadows, his brother, his younger brother, balled out this year. So you know that there's talent in that bat and he showed it in the major leagues. He's going to come at a cheap price. If uh, Colas doesn't work out and right, or, you know, Eloy does go, he makes sense as another DH bat and just outfield depth. So I would love to see them go get, go get a guy like him, you know, low contract, high upside, you know, maybe a one-year deal for you, Kyle, right? Yeah. And you prove it for you to love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, their priorities have to be trade Dylan Cease, trade Eloy, trade whatever you can, who's not named Luis Robert and, you know, go for 2025. Yeah, definitely. Well, boys, another episode. Um, I I really do like these uh, projections for the upcoming year because it is a lot of fun. And, man, we, we just see surprises all the time. Um, I know we may not see that with this ball club, but hopefully some of the other ball clubs that we talk about in the coming weeks um, that are on the lower end of the power rankings uh, do end up making huge splashes. Or take that next leap, you know, like teams like the Tigers or or other teams that hopefully are going to, you know, be maybe some spenders this offseason. Uh, fellas, anything else before we sign off here? No, I mean, I, I we were talking about earlier and it came to me when Kyle mentioned all of the guys, you know, when they were coming up, when Eloy was coming up, when Mankato was coming up, Kopech was coming up and you know, you felt like there was something special there. And as a Cubs fan, I remember that was right about the time that the Cubs were falling. And so there was a little part of me that was pretty scared. It's like, they really do got some, some talent there. And, you know, that's when Tim Anderson was still on the team. And so it just, I I remember being pretty scared about what they were putting together in that, in that organization. And for it to kind of fall apart like that has, has really, I'm sure been crushing as a Sox fan because, you know, they had, they seemingly had it all. And so now I'm kind of rooting for them to, to pull it back because I'd love to see a, a competitive crosstown series because even when, you know, the Sox weren't having a good year, this last crosstown series was absolutely unbelievable. I don't know if you remember, right. That's when I think it was least Robert hit the, yeah, the walk off in game one. And then yeah. Morrell running around with the sh- ripping the shirt off, just absolutely sick. So love Vinny, the we were alive. We were alive. When that happened, were you really? Oh, that's yeah. yeah that's awesome. it, was, it, was the it was a really awkward rest of the show. <laughs> so I just I'm rooting for him. I am. Speaking of uh, one of your takes earlier, that didn't really. That was a good transition. Whatever. Uh, source sources say Detroit Tigers are available to listen to trade offers for Javier Baez. Tigers owe the shortstop 98 million for the next four years. So unfortunately, you wouldn't you know won't be able to see the spectacle that is Javi Baez swing his 34 ounce bat and who would want to take on that salary is my question. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You know, maybe the Cubs put him in over Dansby, right? Maybe he, uh, (laughs) maybe he comes back and just re-electrifies Wrigley field. Um, No, you know what? I'm going to die on that Hill. No, actually I'm going to die more on the Eloy Hill. I still think, you know, I'm going to die on the Eloy Hill. I think Eloy is, is something special, but the Baez one, I just, if he, if the Tigers figure it out a little bit, just a little bit, he can figure it out too. Right. I just, he's, he's an electric factory. He's got to have the factory around him though. He can't just power it up himself. Nobody's going to want the contract. It's like, yeah, that's another example. Want. That's like trying to trade Anthony Rendon, like right now. There's nobody's yeah. going to want that contract. The that's most good. dangerous thing in sports right now is to go on Twitter during the uh, the off season of MLB right now. God, I yeah. swear I saw a breaking news Otani did someone, and I was like, no, just so many gags out there just infuriates me. 
dude, some guy was like, like Trent, he was Jed Hoyer. And my dad yep. texted yep. me, my dad texted me. He goes, what are your thoughts on the Glasnow deal? And I was like, who, who posted about that? And he goes, Oh, the GM of the Cubs. And I was like, Oh my God. Dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that's another, itch. I'm, I'll be excited to dive oh, well. into that one too, because yeah, Glasnow is an interesting case and Cubs are we'll talking about here soon. Yeah. 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 What do we got All for right, Sunday? Boys. What's on the what's on the agenda? What should people look forward to for Sunday? Right? Are the, is that when we're going to record? Well, as of right now, it's uh, we may be adding an additional recording this week. We'll see. But for Sunday, let me pull up the list. For Sunday, we'll be talking about the Pirates. The Pirates are up next. It'll be interesting. Super excited. Love, love that organization right now. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're bumping up on an hour and five minutes here, fellas. This is, I was going to say, this is breaking so, the all time record, I think, for uh, longest uh, pods. Yeah. K May deserves it for, yeah, for yeah. This... pushing it through and everything. So, uh, well, to everyone that's listening, please follow us on Twitter at the Big Fly Pod. We'll put it here on the screen for the YouTube folks. But to everyone that tuned in, thank you so much for tuning in for another edition of the Big Fly Pod. And we'll talk to you again here.